This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barn. I'm Evan Novi williams And I'm Scott Soshnick. Every week at this time, plus Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, we explore the big money issue in the world of sports. Today, we talk college sports with Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick. We want to put our students in the position to be the originators of content for us and help enable it. I think that's the future, and, and we're very committed to that direction. We have more of our interview with Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick coming up. But first, let's look at the top stories of the week, and let's start with National Lacrosse League labor problems. Yeah, well, Barry, we want to talk about this because it's it's significant because of every every sport has this. You hear about the big sports all the time, but these smaller sports are you really can't afford to be off the radar. And the NLL, as we speak, is trying to hammer out a labor deal with its players. They're supposed to start December one, so you better open training camps, which of course cannot happen until you have a signed labor contract. And guess what the fight is about? Oh, I have a Gee, guess. Uh, I uh, wonder yeah. why. <laughs> Williams. Uh, what, what is money? Yeah. What is money? <laughs> Ding. Answers one, two, three, four, and five. Yeah, it's about. How much money do we bring in? How much, you know, the percentage do the players get? And the commissioner of the league, Nick Sakevich, has said, guys, like, we're happy to raise your salaries if the revenue justifies it, but it cannot be out of whack. You know, and the players are still saying, well, look, the league is doing well. It's expanding. You're bringing in new owners. We, we want more money. So right now they're at Loggerheads. They're making progress. But yet another league where it's just labor and management just can't seem to get on the page. And this is the this is the indoor lacrosse league, the yep. one that's played right. uh, in arenas uh, separate from the, the the existing outdoor league, MLL, and, and, the, and the new outdoor league that we've talked about. Some of the owners, Kroenke Sports and Entertainment, mm-hmm. owner of the Nuggets and the Rams. You have the Pagulas, the Sabres, and the Bills. You have Joe Tsai in mm-hmm. San, Diego. San Diego. So you've got some real, real money uh, coming in. But you still have to generate the revenue. Salary cap last year per team four hundred thousand dollars. That's a that's a twenty man active roster. Do the math. That's not hard math. Twenty thousand dollars <laughs> a person. From what I understand, what this this labor di- dispute comes down to, a lot of it, the players have a share of of ticket sales right now. Yeah. Um, they want a cut of kind of all the revenue streams, including concessions, parking. Um, merchandise, etc. Um, but yeah, as you said, December first is uh, is rapidly approaching, uh, and this is certainly threatening the beginning of the season. Let's talk about the NHL concussion settlement. Now, when you look at the numbers, it looks more like uh, this is in favor of the owners. Yeah, you're, you're talking about twenty two thousand bucks per player if you were part of the lawsuit. Obviously, pales in comparison to the billion dollar settlement of the NFL. But it's, similar in structure, similar right? In Neither structure, league yeah. is is admitting nobody any admits kind responsibility. Of, yeah. Responsibility, or, yeah. If you're an NHL owner and you seemingly have this issue behind you, you are very, very happy because it was one of those things that was standing in the way uh, uh, of everything. I, I mean, people looking to buy teams were saying, well, what about this head issue? What about head trauma? I mean, still an issue because it's an issue for star players not playing. Um, but the liability that was associated with former players, now you have that certainty. And when we see these deals, the NFL had one, as we mentioned, the NHL now. Um, is is it just that the league leverage is so much 
better because you know these are a lot of these are, are former players. You know they don't they don't they're not part of the the NHL ecosystem anymore. Why is it that it seems like these deals are coming in lopsided for for the billion yeah, dollar? Yeah, these leagues? are aging players who want money now. Mm-hmm. If the leagues want to litigate this for another five ten years, they can do that. And part of the strategy I've been told by outside attorneys is litigate until there are fewer claimants, which mm-hmm. which means they die. Well, I, that, that that's one of the possibilities. I hate to say this, and hockey fans are not going to like me for saying it. And part part of the problem is, out of the four major food groups for the major sports, hockey is fourth, and maybe that's why that but they still, have this but, problem. But there's still plenty of money in hockey. Look at that Canadian broadcast contract. I agree. Bar. Yeah, I agree. Hey, good news for Nike. If you're a fan of Nike, there's a store that's opening up the flagship right here in New York City. Yeah, I was actually there earlier this week, took a tour of the place. Uh, Nike's unveiling its what it thinks the future of, of brick and mortar, you know, physical retail shopping is. Uh, and it looks a lot like uh, shopping you do on your couch. You know, you, you need your phone to be a part of it through the entire walkthrough. Nike Plus members, which are which would you become when you download the Nike app. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in the store that you need the app to do. Wait, 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 wait. You're going in a brick and mortar store. Yeah, and you're pulling your phone out. Because you can check out on your phone, you can order clothing, different sizes to be delivered to a dressing room to meet you there on your phone. <laughs> really? uh, you can scan a mannequin and it will detail you know, everything the mannequin's wearing, where, <laughs> if they have it in the store or not, how quickly they can get it I to you. I would pay to see Barr try and navigate this store. <laughs> I would pay to, just for the experience of watching you try to navigate the store. You I know what? We, we should take a camera. And put it on me trying to navigate this store. Because <laughs> first video podcast. If you yeah. want laughs, because I can just see it now. It's like, you know, and I'm telling the police, I thought it was a mannequin. <laughs> I, can, and, I mean, you and know. I'm not, I'm not, and I don't mean this literally, Bar, but the only thing coming through, because you're not a small guy, the only thing in my head right now is, that guy in a little coat. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll we'll bring Michael. We'll bring Michael to the store yeah. at some point. Bar, soon. Bar gets the extra small, uh, accidentally <laughs> delivered. Uh, anywho, Evan Novi Williams. You can follow him on Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. We'll let you go now, Evan. As I know you're a busy man with many things to get done today. Few things I like more than talking about college sports. I'm it's bummed that I'm not going to be here with you guys. Your pal Jack Swarbrick. I mean, the Notre Dame athletic director, Jack Swarbrick. Now, Barr, I mean, there are athletic directors who have been a while and seen a few things. Oh, yeah. This guy is one of them. And to do it at a university that has the football reputation of Notre Dame, you can learn a few things. And Jack... The game this weekend against Syracuse. Your team travels to Yankee Stadium for the matchup. Why does Notre Dame play so far away from home? Well, because it is fundamental to who we are. We, we choose to be independent uh, with the football program, um, a very rare thing these days. And if you're going to be independent, uh, this is central to doing it, right? We believe that, that football should promote the university. And so we do that uniquely. No no. No institution has ever played in Los Angeles, Chicago, and New York in the same year. No football program. We're about to do it for our ninth time. Um, We've played in nine out of the ten largest cities in the past ten years in the United States. Uh, We just announced our third overseas game. That's that's what we have have to do. It's, It's what we should do at Notre Dame. I like the way you said, we choose to be independent. Realistically... How many other programs could make that choice? Um, you know, I, that's a great question. I, I think 
in recent times he answered me almost none. BYU, of course, is doing it now. Um, but I think we're going to face an interesting time in media where there may be opportunities for other schools to do it um, as we as we shift to new forms of of program delivery um, in 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 the world. And in the next round of TV contracts, I I think there may be an opportunity for some schools to consider it, whether they choose to do it or not. Who knows? Now, for years, you've had a contract with NBC, uh, and hopefully, you know, as the as this brand continues, uh, this will continue on. Yeah, they're a great partner. Uh, it's not it, it it's not just about having our own uh, network deal, which is extremely helpful. But they're such a great partner. Uh, they produce the uh, the. PSAs within the broadcast, what they're called What Would You Fight For? They're really compelling stories about the university. Um, they're great partners in, in supporting our decisions about when we play and where we play. So, And we get national clearance. Our games are never regionalized. And, and that's, uh, that's all part of this same dynamic of promoting the brand. I should add this, too. By the way, the Notre Dame games, you can hear them every Saturday right here on Bloomberg Radio which I'm excited about. In New York. So that's in called York, full disclosure. Right. That's our yes. full disclosure. Yeah, we got we got to get that part there. But Very good. something else about Notre Dame that always excited me is the history of the the football program. I mean, think about it. You could just say Newt Rockney to somebody and they know automatically, "Hey, <laughs> that was the dude that used to play at Notre Dame years ago." And and I could go on and on and yes, I'm going to give a spoiler alert. I cried during Rudy at the end. <laughs> so, uh, can you tell us more about uh, what the history means for Notre Dame? Yeah, it's um, it's a great observation because um, it, it, it is so tied to the ascendancy of the school in a unique way. Um, in, in 1913, a remarkable man by the name of Jesse Harper, first AD and first full-time head coach at Notre Dame, um, saved Notre Dame football. First and only coach ever to be undefeated in his first season, win every game. Newt Rockney was a wideout on that team. But in New York, on November 1st of 1913, Notre Dame effectively introduced the forward pass to football and upset the heavily favored Army team. And, and there's so much about that game which is significant, but one of the great pieces of significance about it <clears throat> was obviously in New York, uh, and, and that drew attention, but it coincided with the third and largest of the immigration waves to the United States. And that game, that team, that year caused that connection for Notre Dame to be adopted by those people. The players had names like those immigrants, they looked like those immigrants, and, and it... it Overnight, in a sense, it created a national identity for the program that Rockney then took full advantage of when he was promoted to be eventually the head coach. All these games we've played in Yankee Stadium and the Polo Grounds and the Meadowlands are all harken back to that history and, 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 and that tradition. And our many of our most famous games have been played in New York. Uh, the Gipper speech was in New York in Yankee Stadium. Grantlin Rice's famous line about the four horsemen was penned for a game played in New York. So that history is, is, is really courses through the decisions we make today. We are chatting with Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick. And Jack, I want to touch on the media again. 
you do, of course, have that contract with NBC, but the world is changing. You don't reach kids anymore on linear TV. Everybody's talking about reaching the millennials, Gen X, Gen Y, whatever it is these days. What, what is new for Notre Dame? If you're looking forward, do you foresee a day perhaps where there's a sub-license on an OTT? Because uh, everybody wants their content on their devices these days. These kids just don't watch TV. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's our focus, too. Um, three things. One is NBC's a great partner for that. I mean, that's uh, the great thing about being part of a company that's the largest broadband provider in North America in Comcast. So so it's not just the, 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 the linear network. It's the other assets of the Comcast Universal family, which we look forward to, to being part of. Secondly, the ACC network launches next year. Very important for us. While our football rights aren't part of that, our other sport rights are. And the success of the ACC network will help significantly to close the gap that exists now with the Big Ten and the SEC. And we can bring that back to Syracuse University, by the way, because John Wildack, the AD, an SU alum, is going to have a lot to say about what that network looks like. Absolutely. John is a great asset for us in the, in the AD meetings. And then finally, we've, uh, <clears throat> we, we are very aggressive with our own media, Fighting Irish Media, it's called. Um, matter of fact, I just found out yesterday we won four regional Emmys. And, and we are very focused on taking a pretty radically different approach, which is being a platform that enables the content produced by our own student-athletes. Um, and, and, and giving them the platforms. I'm, I'm struck by the fact that the sports news of the day is increasingly shaped by what LeBron has to say through his own social media mm-hmm. or pick your person, right? I mean, that's, that's where it originates, and we want to put our students in the same position to be the originators of content for us and help enable it. Question for you then. Would you allow your student-athletes to utilize what technically others would have to pay for themselves on the field during game footage, would you allow them to utilize those rights in some of the, the content that they're trying to produce? Yes, yes. So, so long as we can uh, you know, clear the rights with our own broadcast partners. But absolutely, that's what we want to do. And we want to extend that relationship. After they leave us, you know, we want, we want to continue to be a platform for them. Um, and, and I think that's the future, and, and we're very committed to that direction. What would that look like? You said after they leave us, you want them to, to continue to be a platform. What would that look like? Give me an example of what that would be. Well, you know, they, the, the, one of the things that, that gets lost now is, is all the imagery of the students when they were here sort of disappears once they leave us in the sense of their ability to use it and call on it. I'd love for them to still be able to tap into those highlights and those, those images in their own social media. I'd love to be able to call attention to their social media, for, you know, pr- provide an easy resource where you can get you can get the latest things that have been produced by every NFL, Notre Dame alum who's in the NFL. Um, you know, have them have them work with us, not not exclusively, but you know, say, okay, listen, when you're gonna when you're gonna post something about your observations about Sunday's game, um, let's 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 have something that directs our 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 audience to it as well. I have a serious question coming up in a second. But first, here's my silly question, because I got into a heated discussion at a guy uh, in a bar. Notre Dame or Notre Dame? Um, <clears throat> Notre. I was wrong. 
in the least shocking news I, I, of the day. I, I, I owe the guy listen, a beer. We, we, we accept both. We accept both. <laughs> All right, now my serious question. what? Where do you see the landscape of college football today? Uh, and where do you see it going in the future? Not only with the media contracts, but uh, times change. Like, and like Scott was saying, and like you'd mentioned, uh, life has changed the way we we used to watch college football. Uh, you know, it used to be on TV, linear TV, and my goodness, it's Saturday afternoon, and I got to get my rabbit ears going, and that's it. Where do you see it going? You know, I'm not smart enough to to figure it out. Other than to say, I I I think radical change is 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 likely. You've got lawsuits lined up like jets at LaGuardia, um, which are going to impact. Which, <laughs> Ouch, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, sorry, my travel experience yeah, yeah. come to bear my, that. Mine as uh, well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'm always struck by the fact a quarter inch of rain slows LaGuardia down. But anyway, um, you know, we've we've got a judicial landscape, which is going to shape part of what we do. We've got significant health and safety issues we need to address. We've got a completely changing media landscape. And when you mix all that together, um, I I, I can't see a future that doesn't involve significant change. I think we've got to deal with name, image, and likeness issues for our students. I think we've got to make sure we stay firmly connected to the educational model, and, and all that's going to be challenged by what's ahead of us. Are firmly connected to the educational model. I'm going to tell you something that Father Jenkins, the school president, had said, right. that if the world of college sports ever moves towards paid athletes, Notre Dame is out. They want nothing to do with it. Is that what you understand, Jack? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, people uh, people interpreted that as saying we would withdraw from Division One athletics. That's not the point at all. We've had ample conversations with peer institutions who all feel the same way. The, the, the schools we tend to play anyway and compete with and, and, and spend time with in a host of ways are share that vision and we will compete against each other. Um, I, if, if, if this moves to an employee-employer relationship on some level, there'll be a group of schools which will choose a different model and, and that's fine. We are chatting with Jack Swarbrick, the athletic director at Notre Dame. And, Jack, I want to ask you this question because we debate it here uh, in the newsroom a lot. Where is the value? If, if the Notre Dame football team, all the kids that play there now, played the Michigan kids, but it was at some third-party field, one team wore red, one team wore blue, no affiliation with the universities, but the same players— how many people do you think would show up? What no. I'm trying to get at is where. <laughs> how much is the value of the player? How much is the value of the brand of the institution? Yeah, their families would show up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I actually think there's an easy, there's a pretty easy example of that, um, and that is in 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 certain. Uh, sports, certain instances, you have examples of students who are able out of high school to go right to a professional opportunity, which I think they absolutely ought to be able to do. They tend to have no commercial value individually at that point in their careers. Um, If they were a freshman playing point guard for North Carolina or playing quarterback for Alabama, there's enormous value. 
at that point in their careers, right? Well, the only pushback um, I would give you is, yes, of course, if you're Carmelo Anthony, you play six games in the tournament, you win a championship, everybody knows who you are as a freshman, you have a name, you have a platform. However, I can't remember anybody going pro with more hype than LeBron James, and Nike sure secured him to a big money deal before he'd ever played a college game or a pro game. Yeah, well, I think I, I, I think LeBron is the exception on so many levels. Um, but there have been other athletes who have gone to Europe for the first year rather than the pros or have gone to Asia or some who have been age eligible to go directly to the G League. And you haven't seen that. Um, whereas that same athlete, I would suggest to you, placed with one of the brands in their sport, uh, high-profile brands, would be perceived as having enormous value. I think that relates to the, the school brand um, more than it does the individual. There, would- there, will be, there will be exceptions, but by and large, I think it works, especially in football. It works towards the school brand. Would you be okay then with athletes, freshmen, sophomore, whatever it is, capitalizing on their name and likeness? In, I would think most would be in the local market, very few nationally. Um, whether maybe Johnny Manziel had a real national footprint. I think a lot of college athletes would be surprised that there isn't that much market for their name and likeness, but they can find that out on their own. But there are some stars who could earn some significant bucks. Would you be okay with that? Yeah, I, I think it's very important to normalize the experience of the student, whether they're an athlete or they're not. Our other students can capture their name, image, and likeness. Why can't our students who are athletes? So my my baseline proposition is yes, but you've got to set it up in a system that ensures some measure of market value. The risk here, of course, that sort of doesn't exist in any professional sports model is the $50,000 autograph, right? I'm, I'm really not paying you $50,000 for your autograph. Your autograph's not worth $50,000. I'm paying you $50,000 to go to my school. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way, to, the way to avoid that is some form of group license that's administered by a third party. Uh, in pro sports, you have the unions who play that role. We'd have to figure out an alternative to that in, in, in the college model. But that's you, 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 as long as you can ensure some true market measure and it's a group license, I think it makes all the sense in the world. So everybody shares in it, in, in, I guess, theoretically equally, but perhaps not. Yeah, it doesn't have to be equal. Okay. I mean, I think you can more to the stars. you can you can recognize the different values that's produced, but 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 I I want it to be real, real name, image, and likeness value. I want to break it down a little bit more, and I'm trying to dust my brain cells off here. Was it Mike Grundy? Was it about 11 years ago where the, the gentleman who gave the speech and he was mad during this press conference? I'm an adult. I'm a 40 year old man. Come at me. And what was going down was in a newspaper, I guess, there was something derogatory about the students' play. What I want to bring up is, look, that's a reminder again. These are students. These are young men trying to learn this game. And I think a lot of times people forget this isn't the National Football League now. This is, this is collegiate football. I couldn't agree more, um, but unfortunately, we keep we keep hurting ourselves in that regard. Every time we, as as members of college athletics, provide the public with examples where we don't value the education, where we haven't done what we should do to ensure that it's a student-university relationship, um, either because 
in the case of the the the, the, the federal prosecution in New York, you see all of this money changing hands, or we get examples where students aren't students, where athletes aren't students. That undermines that notion. And so we hurt ourselves, but I couldn't agree more. The vast majority of these young men, in the case of football, and young men and women across our sports, this is central to their educational experience. <clears throat> the value they get is enormous. And they ought not be subject just because they choose that that avocation while they're in college to get the sort of abuse that too often is directed at them. My 13-year-old son, and we were having this talk about this, he says, well, what's the difference between college football and the NFL? If I'm watching a collegiate football game and a wide receiver drops the ball, I'll say, dang, he dropped the ball. If Odell Beckham drops the ball, I'm going to say, damn, he dropped the ball. And, and that's the difference involved in this. Remember, uh, Paul, with, with legalized sports betting now in New Jersey, there's some other four-letter words being used when college kids. I, I was saying ball. that during the Jets game, by the way. I should add that, but but that's the point: is that the again these are these are young men. The some just 19, 18, 19 years old. Yeah, they absolutely, and and you know besides that, they're. They're going back to a dorm at the end of practice. In our, in our case, you live in a residence hall for three years here. You are a student. You're attending the same classes. They're in, they're in a special track, educational track for you because you're an athlete. So you're subjected to all those same pressures and demands any student is. And, and to, to sort of heap this on you because, you know, you've got a, you've got a skill. You're not, you know, yours isn't applied to the band. It's applied to the team. Um, that, that, that really is unfair. And I worry enormously about the consequences of gambling in this regard. Going back to your residence hall and your roommate just lost a thousand bucks because you missed a field goal. That's a bad dynamic. Yeah. So um, I, I, I worry a lot about what legalized gambling is going to do in the college environment. All right. And, uh, Jack, please, let's end on this. Uh, you have a renovated stadium. Tell me all the things now you can do to wring a nickel out of that stadium. Because, I mean, the real estate is, is central to the revenue in pro sports and college sports. But uh, Notre Dame Stadium is, isn't just any other stadium. Well, thank you for for asking that question because it's the thing I love to talk about most. You know, ours is a unique experience. You still will not see a commercial sign when you watch football at Notre Dame. You won't see an advertisement on the video board. And we just invested $425 million in it. What we invested in was attaching to this great facility – uh, the departments of anthropology and psychology, our music department, our new media center, our student recreation center, career services, a student union. That's what's different about the stadium. And and that's what we want athletics to be here at Notre Dame. We want it to be fully integrated into the university. And this stadium now provides, I think, the most compelling symbol of that commitment that exists in America today. Jack Swarbrick, who is the director of athletics at the University of Notre Dame. I'm saying it right now from this point forward. And I owe this guy a beer at the bar now after that. So, by the way, and, and want to add to everybody out there, you can hear all of the Notre Dame games Saturdays on Bloomberg Radio on our New York station, AM 1130. All right. It was great to be with you. Thanks. Thank okay. you. Takeaways. It was something Jack said right at the end of our interview, and he was talking about 
college athletes, and now with sports betting spreading all across the nation, he doesn't like it. Doesn't like it one bit because he's worried about the athletes. And I remember the, the line. No, the line that got to you. Yeah, and you, we didn't discuss this right. when he said. What is it going to be like when the kid has to go back to his dorm and somebody exactly. lost $1,000 because he missed a kicker that's or right. dropped a pass? That's right. Yeah, that's a real concern. My takeaway, and this was just sort of a, a little line in there that could get lost by people, but in the new media world of OTT, of on your iPhone, Jack said he's going to allow his athletes to use licensed stuff and that's video of game footage. You know, people are paying for that, and they'll have to come to some agreement. But he wants his athletes to be able to use that licensed footage on their social feeds. So if I'm the quarterback at Notre Dame, I want to be able to show my highlights from the game on my Instagram. I haven't seen, no pro league allows that. That is not an everyday thing. It would be very interesting to see if the rights holders, a la NBC, say okay without charge for members of the team to utilize those rights. That, that's going to be very interesting right. because it, it, it really is something that will benefit the school, benefit the players in the long run. Because as he said, now, of course, LeBron's the huge example, but these these athletes have their own followings. They're almost their little media businesses in their own right, right. especially in a local market, which is really what you have that fervent fan base. That's where you want to drive interest. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since the kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. Now, I'm... We again, you don't know we where I'm going to go. With we this. did not discuss. Okay, here we go. Ten. Ten. Nah, uh, Bo A Derek. Strong. T- <laughs> yeah, Shudley Moore. It. That's it. Shudley Moore done. and Bo Derek. <laughs> Show's over. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. <laughs> Shows you, it. It gives you a little uh, glimpse into how old we are. Did uh, I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about? Yeah. I'm going to say a strong ten. A strong ten. Now, if I add another number to it, you might get it. Uh, ten and nine. Now I got blackjack in my head. I'm sticking. Ten. I got ten and nine. I'm, I'm sticking. I got no idea. What do you got? Ten. Yeah. Jacob DeGrom. Oh, okay. NL Cy Young winner. Yeah. For a team, I mean, God bless the, the Mets didn't give him much offense. So, I mean, and he pitched well, the gym. Every time I, he stepped on the mound, he was great. Bar, I'm with you. The one stat I would never, and I never really understood the wins and losses for pitchers because of this. Like, I can give up seven runs a game and still win the game. I go five innings, my team scores eight. I win. What I care about if, if I'm looking at pitchers is earn runs, strikeouts to walks. That's what matters. Those are the defining numbers for pitchers. I don't care if he gets 28 wins or 12. A guy, give me a guy with 28 wins with an ERA of seven? No. I mean, is that likely to happen? No. Could it happen? Yes. Give me the guy who goes out there and doesn't give up any runs and hits and walk. Yeah, that's who I want. That's DeGrom. 1.7 ERA. Good. I mean, he was the best pitcher in the National League. Oh, yeah. And and honors to Blake Snell, by the way, for the AL Cy Young Award. Yeah. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast. You can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thanks for joining us, and please tune in next week when we speak with 
with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world and online where our podcast is available. 